Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. If you have your Bible, Galatians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Galatians chapter 3. Do you appreciate grace? Do you? That's the question today. Do you appreciate grace? Do we appreciate grace? Maybe we don't appreciate it as much as we think we do. Uh, Maybe we should appreciate it more, and maybe today's sermon will help us to appreciate grace, that we are saved by grace and not by works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so we're going to look today at a sermon I've titled, Works of the Law. We've ended a, a series in First Peter. We like to preach expository sermons. We went through the book of First Peter. And uh, in the fall, we'll, we'll get into another series. But right now, we're still preaching expository messages. But we're um, just hitting some different topics. And today, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, works of the law. Let's look at verses 1 through 14 and just read those and get an overview of what the Apostle Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the region, those, those churches in the region of Galatia. God's Word says, O foolish Galatians, how do you like that? Start the sermon. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected, made complete, whole by the flesh? Implied answer, no. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify or declare righteous, the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand. And Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on, trust in, depend upon, works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who doesn't abide by all things, written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it's evident, it's clear, that no one is justified, declared good and right before God by the law. For, quotes Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. Not by works, verse 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us, rescued us, ransomed us, purchased us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's probably you and me, so that we might receive the promised Spirit. How? Through works? No, through faith. This is the Word of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for it? Works of the Law, Galatians chapter 3. 
Did you know that in the Bible, the Bible speaks of four main types of works. Really, when you look at that phrase, works of, there are basically four main types of works that you can find in the Bible. Number one, the Bible speaks of works of the law. There are works of the law. Now, we're going to look at those verses in a moment. Obviously, we're going to Galatians chapter 3 for that. You could also go to the book of Romans. Romans talks a lot about the works of the law. But secondly, there's another type of works that the Bible talks about, and it's this. It's the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. Galatians 5.19, if you just went over a few pages, you would see this verse. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. And then he names them, right? Sexual immorality and all these. It gives us, that, that, again, that laundry list of all the sins that sometimes you see in Scripture. So the Bible talks about there are works that are just fleshly works. We see those in our society, right? We see those in our culture. The works of the flesh are obvious, right? It's, it's the sins. It's the drunkenness, the sexual immorality, right? All the, all the horrible things Galatians 5.19 could say. Number three, there are the works that are ascribed to the devil. The works of the devil. Or there are this phrase, the works of darkness. 1 John 3.8 says this, The reason the Son of God appeared. One of the reasons why Jesus appeared. There are many, many reasons why Christ came. 1 John 3.8 says, One of the reasons the Son of God was appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the Bible says there's works of the law. There's works of the flesh. There are works of the devil and works of darkness. And then the Bible talks about the fourth work. There are the works of God. In John chapter 6, the disciples talk about what can we do to do the works of God. And Jesus talks about the works of God. So the disciples use the phrase, Jesus use, uses the phrase, the works of God. So you may say this, I was just kind of thinking about it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and then there's God, right? Works of the law, those are good things, right? The, the law is good, we're going to talk about that. There are works of the law, right? Be kind and help your neighbor and, and, and do good, that's good. Then there are some things that are just bad, the works of the flesh. We know those. Man, that's my flesh. That's my sinful nature, right? Then there are the, the ugly, the works of the devil, when we look and go, man, that's demonic. But there are also, praise God, there are the works of God, the, the mighty things. So what we're going to talk about today is that phrase that occurs often in Galatians and Romans, the works of the law. I want us to think about the works of the law. The Old Testament, by the Jews was said to have 613 commandments in it. If you went and counted, and they did, right, they said we came up with 613 you shall and you shall not commands. 613 commands. We could call those the, the works of the law, right? The, the 613 commands. There were 248 positives, you shall, and 365 negatives, you shall not. They got so far and they said 248 for the 248 parts of the body and 365 for the 365 days of the year. There are positive commands and there are negative commands. We could say that those are the works of the law. Now, when you study the Old Testament, when you study the Old Testament law, those first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament law has three main parts to it. And I want you to know this if you've never heard it. The Old Testament law has three main parts to it. Number one, there are ceremonial commands. There are ceremonial instructions. Number two, there are civil commands, civil instructions. And number three, there are moral commands and moral instructions. These are the works of the law. The 613 you shalls and you shall not, we could put them into one of those three categories. Let me give you an example of the three parts. For the ceremonial 
We could say this, that's the, the offering commands, right? When God would say, you've you got to give this lamb, this pigeon, this offering. This is how you present that at the temple. This is how you do all of those ceremonial things. The priestly duties, right, in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, this is how the priests are to dress and when they're to go into the Holy of Holies and what they can and can't do and what they can and can't touch. Ceremonial commands in the Old Testament. Uh, there are things like festivals, right? Uh, the Day of Atonement, right? The, the Tabernacles, that festival, right? All of the different festivals, Leviticus chapter 23. Those are all of the ceremonial commands, right? Now, as the church, we don't keep those today, do we? We don't really do the priestly duties. We don't do the festivals necessarily as much anymore. We don't have to worry about the temple offerings because the temple's not there for us anymore. The civil commands or judicial commands... Uh, let me give you some examples of those in the Old Testament. It would be laws about debt, um, laws about theft, laws about divorce, laws about adultery, what to do with the person caught in adultery, what did, what, how you make restitution for the person that steals, right? All those civil or judicial commands, um, how you would redeem property, that, that redemption of property. All of those are the civil or judicial. So the ceremonial has to do with the religious life. The, uh, the civil has to do with just how they relate in their, in their government. And then you know, thirdly, there are moral commands. There are commands in the Old Testament about this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Right? There are commands about loving your neighbor, to, to love others, to love God. We still keep those moral commands. This is the part of the law that really never changes. Jesus came and He fulfilled, He completed, He accomplished everything because He obeyed it perfectly, all 613 works of the law. And there are things that we don't have to do anymore because Jesus has brought new wine. He's, he's the new way. But there are still moral commands that are good. These are commands about idolatry. We can still read commands in the Old Testament about don't have idols, right? And that still applies for today. Or about sexual sins, right? Some of that, that, that still applies for today where we say, yes, the moral code doesn't, doesn't change. These are the works of the law. We still keep that third aspect, although the other two have ceased or been altered. So before we even look at Galatians 3, we want to preach this, that the law is good. The Old Testament is good. The law in all three parts, all the works, that was not a bad thing. In fact, it was a good thing. At Adairsville Baptist, we still preach the Old Testament. We preach through those books of the Bible. It's good, but it's no longer primary. Amen? It's good, but it's no longer the essential thing. It's no longer vital. The, the gospel is. The Bible actually says this, that the law was a good guardian until maturity was reached. Look at Galatians 3. Your Bible should be open to there. We read verses 1 through 14, but go ahead and jump down to Galatians 3, verse 24 and 25. The Apostle Paul wants to show, look, the law is not a bad thing. It's a good thing and it had a purpose and it has a purpose. But the purpose has sort of been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Verse 24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be declared good, righteous, justified. We might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For now we're all sons of God, the next verse says. The law was a good guardian until maturity was reached. You think about this, even some of our laws here in the United States, they're, they're good guardians for our children, right? Until they reach a legal age. 
right? It's a good, good law to say you can't drive until you're 16, right? That's a good guardian. And it says, but when maturity comes and you're old enough, okay. Um, there are laws about voting, right? You can't vote until you reach this age, but it, that law will be a, a guardian until the legal age, and then it will say, and now you have the freedom to vote, the freedom to drive. I mean, we can think about laws for drinking and smoking. We'd rather you not, but right there are laws that say, hey, until that age, and, and it's meant to be a protection, a guardian, and that's what the Old Testament is, right? It was a guardian until, the Bible said in verse 24, Christ came. Young kids need a babysitter. Not adults, right? It would be quite foolish for us to, to say, hey, I'm going out, I need somebody to babysit my wife for me. All right? All right? The kids need a babysitter, not a mature adult. And so this is what this verse is, is saying. It says the law is good. And the law was that guardian. The law was that babysitter. The law gave, gave very good commands. But when you have fullness in Christ and when you have maturity in Christ, you no longer need that. You're no longer under a guardian. There's a Greek word there that refers to male slaves. In Greek culture and in Roman culture, there would actually be a male slave that was, that was hired, and his whole job was to care for the boy from age 6 to 16 as a guardian. And, and what the verse is referring to is that's kind of like what the law is like. right? When we're 6 to 16 and we need somebody to kind of help us get from here to there and help us train and help us learn and kind of watch after us, I think King James translates it like a schoolmaster. That's the idea that the law is that good guardian. The law is like that. The law, we could say, is even like this. You've been to the zoo? The law is like bars around a zoo animal. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. It keeps things in place. It restrains. It, it has a point. And so as we look at works of the law, I don't want you to say, oh, we're, the, the law's pointless. No, no, no. The law has a very good point, and the law plays a part uh, up until the gospel. And then the gospel becomes the essential and the primary thing. I told you this, the works of the law, that phrase occurs heavily in Galatians and Romans. And so this is going to help us in our modern day. Let's do this. Every time we see the phrase, works of the law, let's translate it good deeds. Good deeds. Good deeds. Or this, good old religious stuff. Good old religious stuff. Bartow County stuff. Good old religious stuff. That, let's, let's, when we see works of the law, let's think that. Just good old moralism. Good old kind and clean living, the, the good old religious stuff. Let's translate it that way. All right? Our human nature, I believe, does this. Sometimes it, it tempts us to trust in those things, to trust in the works of the law, to trust in good old southern religion, kindness and good clean living and good moralism. And we go, man, we're just good people here, right? Works of the law, different. So let's look at it. And let's say, whoa, am I trusting in that? Am I leaning too much on that? Or do I really appreciate grace and do I really understand grace? And so what I want us to do with all that being said is I want us to go through Galatians chapter 3 and I want to give you four points. Four observations about works of the law. Or four observations about good deeds. Good old southern Christian religion. Good old Christian moralism. Let me say four things about it. Let the text say four things about it. Number one. Number one. The works of the law do not bring the Holy Spirit and His blessing. The Apostle Paul wants to stress this point. Good moralism, good be kind and be clean living, the good deeds that we do do not bring the Holy Spirit and His 
blessing. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 5. I know we said 2. Let's do 1 through 5. Oh, foolish Galatians. And he's using that because this is the gospel. I mean, this is the letter you remember in chapter 1 where he, he starts off like this. I can't believe that you're abandoning the gospel. He goes, I can't believe that, that you're turning to another gospel. Not that there is another gospel is what he says, but you guys are you're, you're, you're turning the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection into something totally different. And he starts off the letter that way, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. And when he comes to chapter 3, he's still kind of ranting about that. And he says, oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now watch this. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, good deeds, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it, it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do that by or because of your good deeds, your good old religion, or by hearing with faith? I want us to see this today and, and mark this. Number one, the works of the law, good deeds, do not bring the Holy Spirit and His blessing. Praise God that we don't have to clean up or that we have to work up to receive God's blessing. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? In order to receive the Holy Spirit, you don't have to clean up your life to receive. That's what he's saying. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to work up. You don't have to clean up by trying to be good. If I'm just good enough and if I just get good and religious, the Holy Spirit will bless me. That's a lie. He's, he's going to show us that. Also, you don't have to work up the Spirit. If I have enough emotion and if I get crying enough and I get, oh, then the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will bless me. They're both lies. They're lies. You don't have to clean up or work up to receive the Spirit's blessings. The power of God is this. It is not a result of works. The power of God is not a result of effort. The power of God is not a result of good, clean living. Paul, what he does in verses 2 through 5 is he asks several rhetorical questions. There are about four of those rhetorical questions. And the implied answer is no. He, he wants them to think. No, the, the implied question is no. Look at, look at it again. Look at verse 2. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by good deeds, by being good and religious, or by hearing with faith? The implied answer is no. We, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, not by trying to clean up and work up and do works of the law. No, how does the Holy Spirit come? When we have faith. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? A lot of people think that way, right? Are you now being, is your sanctification, your holiness, is, or, or, is, is now is your Christian walk advancing by your own efforts? Or is it by the Holy Spirit in you, right? So it's like it's by the Holy Spirit working in you. That's how you're perfected, not by the flesh. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He's asking this, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and obviously in their day and age, he was working miracles among them. He says, does that come by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the implied answer is it comes by hearing with faith. The things that God does is not based on us, our morality, our religion, our goodness, or our kindness. It's by faith. We believe and God, because of that faith, justifies us. By that faith, the Spirit comes. By that faith, God moves this is the truth. The works of the law, goodness, does not bring the Holy Spirit in His blessings. Salvation and the Christian life does not begin one way and end another, right? You don't begin with grace and end by works. 
It's not begun by the, the grace through faith and then ended by all of my good deeds. And then I go back to the law and go, okay, I, say, I was saved by amazing grace. How sweet the sound, right? But now I'm kept by all of my works and all of my goodness. And if I'm clean and if I'm, if I'm whatever, if I'm working and if I'm emotional and if I do all the little check, checking all the boxes that make me whatever the perfect Christian is supposed to be like, then that's what's going to bring me success, the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, no, that's not. That's not. Observation number two. The works of the law do not remove the curse. The works of the law do not remove the curse. Did you know you're under a curse? Did you know I'm under a curse? The Bible says we're under a curse. Cursed is everyone who does not do the 613 commands of the law. That, that we don't keep the ceremonial, the civil, and the moral commands. We're under a curse. If you can't be perfect, you are under a curse. Some have illustrated it this way. How many boards out of place does it take to sink the big old ship? Just one board, right? One leaky board. One board sinks the whole ship. One command, right? And we're done. We can't stand before God. Out of the 613, just one leaky board and I'm sunk. I'm under the curse because I can't be perfect. Look at Galatians 3.10. This is what the Apostle Paul says. For all who rely upon, who trust in works of the law, for all who rely on good deeds, for all who rely on good old southern religion, for all those who rely on clean up your life and be good and God's going to help you because you're making good choices, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Why? For it is written, Cursed be everyone who doesn't abide by all things written in the book of the law. And do them. I don't know about you, but I haven't done all things. Have you? So the Bible says we're under a curse because we haven't been perfect. We haven't done all things. And he says if you're trusting in that, man, you're, you're cursed. You're cursed. The works of the law do not remove the curse. Who, who does? Only Jesus can bear our curse. Only Jesus can pay for our curse. Only Jesus can take away our curse. So we could say this, moralism will not bring the blessings that we need. We may say that, gosh, we need to experience God's blessings in Bartow County. What do we do? Be moral. <clears throat> Sounds good. Teach people to love one another and be kind to one another and work up and clean up. <clears throat> He said, I, I, don't, I won't bring the Holy Spirit. That won't bring what you need. You'll still be under a curse. That won't remove your sin dead. You're just now, you're just trading it in for religion. That's what the works of the law are not good, right? There's a lot of, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with teaching our kids to be good, right? Or, or us going out and saying, look, live clean and, and try to, you know, be kind and good. And, but he says, that doesn't take away the curse. In the end, we still drown. Only in Jesus are we rescued. We might pray this, Lord, without Your righteousness, we would forever remain under the curse. And so, Lord, we need Your righteousness. Number three, third observation about the works of the law. The works of the law are good. And they are different from the works of the flesh. So again, I want to go back to the beginning. Look, the works of the law, number one, will not bring the Holy Spirit into blessings. Number two, the works of the law will not remove the curse that we need removing. It will not give us what we really need. But then let's not forget, though, that, that number three, the works of the law, they are good. 
And they are different from the works of the flesh. I mean, go back to Galatians 5.19 when he gets to that phrase. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, just living for your own passions and pleasures, health, wealth, whatever you think bring you happiness, idolatry, because that's what it is, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, I'm better than you, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? And all those things that we learned as a kid. But how many of you know if we just teach our kids love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, does that take away the curse? It's just moralism apart from the gospel, right? Does that bring the Holy Spirit? No, right? It's, it's more. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The law is not bad. Those are good things to teach. And Paul's going to deal with that in Romans 7. Basically saying, look, the law is just no longer vital. It's no longer essential, but faith in Christ is. So be good, yes. Bartow County, Christian people, you know, let's be good, but let's just not pat our back too much and go, we're good because we like to do that in Bartow. We're good, and we do. We have a great city. We have a great community. And yes, I think we're really good too, but let's not huddle together and go, oh, we're, we're, we're good because we're obeying commands and we're, we're teaching good qualities and good virtues. And look, how, look at what God's doing in our county. Well, okay, just hold the, hold the padding so much and say, but are we really getting to the main thing, the essential thing, the, the gospel? Because that's how the Holy Spirit comes. That's what really transforms souls in the workplace and in the school and in the church and in the community. That's what we really need is the Holy Spirit, right? That's what really removes the curse. Otherwise, we're cursed and we just don't know it. We fooled ourselves. I'm not cursed because I'm good and I I went to church somewhere and I know Southern language and I live in the Bible Belt. That's the, that's the problem right now, right? Come to the Hope for the Hungry on a Thursday and sit with us as we counsel people and as we share the gospel. And you're going to see so many, they know something of Jesus. But they've paired the gospel, they've abandoned the gospel and they've turned to a different gospel, a cultic gospel with all kinds of strange ideas or Jehovah Witness or Mormonism. Or some in our community, they've, just, they've, they've took the things of God that they heard growing up and they've paired the gospel with just good moralism. And that I'm okay with God because once upon a time I did this or I did that's a work. That's something that you checked, a good deed, a moralistic thing. If we do the good deed in the wrong way and we start to pat ourselves on the back, then it just becomes a work of the flesh. That was the problem with the Pharisees. The, the work of the law turned into a work of the flesh, right? And Jesus said what we really need is the work of God. And we need that, and it comes through the gospel, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So let's end on this fourth observation. Number four, the works of the law, moralism, good deeds, good southern religion. Number four, the works of the law do not justify us before God. They do not make us right with God. They do not declare us good or righteous before God. And this is key. He really preaches the gospel in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. But I just want you to look at one verse there, uh, chapter 2, verse 16. He says in verse 15, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified. That's a, a Bible word that means declared righteous. Declared righteous means declared good, holy, and pure. And to be right with God, you have to be. 
Otherwise, He's good and His goodness of God that we sang about can't look on your filthiness. It has to be paid for. He has to change you and He does so through Jesus Christ. Yet we know that a person is not justified, is not made right by works of the law. Will good deeds and good biblical teaching apart from the gospel, will it ever change somebody's soul? Will it ever make them right before God because they learned not to lie, because they learned to show respect and to honor society and to vote Republican and pro-life? I mean, I'm just like, does any of those things, does that make anybody right before God? No. Yet we know a person is not justified by religion. But through faith, biblical faith, in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ or believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified, declared righteous, declared good and made good and changed in that by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law will no one be justified. Do you get Apostle Paul's kind of like Pastor Eric, like we repeat ourselves over and over and over. How many times does he say it in that verse? Three times. And not by works of the law. And not by works of the law. And not by works of the law. And let me tell you this, and not by works of the law. Is anybody ever justified before God? They never will be and they never can be. Amen? One commentator says this, Galatians 2.16, this is what he says about it. He calls it, and I quote, one of the most important verses in Galatians 2.16. And in that verse he states this, Paul said, rather God is really stating it. Are you thankful that God is an echoing God? God says it three times, and not by works of law, not by works of law, not by your good deeds, and not by religion, and not by cleaning yourself up, and not by trying harder. You, don't, you can't try hard enough. I can't. That does not remove the curse. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to? See, it's saying, ah, grace. Let, let Really appreciate grace today. Really trust with grace. Trust with faith. We're not declared right with God because of our actions. We don't earn God's favor. So why in the world are you still trying to do that? Why are so many trying to do that? To earn God's favor. To be right with God by something that we do, by our church attendance or by our moralism. We're not saved by any church ceremony (laughs) that we perform. We're not saved by any church ceremony that we attend. Oh, Pastor, one day I had a church ceremony and I was baptized. Or I I attended a church ceremony and that's what makes all the difference is Right? We're not saved. All that's a work of the law. It's, it's just religion. What matters is faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not, look what I've done that saves. It's, look what Christ has done. That has to be our plea. It's not, God, look what I've done. If, you're, if, if that's your plea for salvation, you are, you're going to be lost and disappointed. It doesn't remove the curse. It's not, look what I've done to be saved. It's, look what Christ has done. Father, look what Christ has done. I, ha- I have no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Listen to Romans. If you flip back to Romans, this is where Romans talks about this in Romans chapter 3. And I'll just read a couple of verses. I'll read Romans 3 and then I'll read 3.27 through 28. You could just listen. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. For by good deeds, good values, good southern religion, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The problem with that is we actually know that we never can be good enough. When we actually try to do it, we know how much religion will say. Maybe a little more, a little more like it won't. 
you'll, you'll just become more and more depressed and more and more knowledge of your sin. You're like, man, I can't show enough of that virtue or I can't, I can't, I can't. So grace comes and it frees us from that. Look at Romans 3, 27 and 28. Then what comes of our boasting? It's excluded. You can't brag. By what kind of, you can't pat yourself on the back. Then what comes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. I mean, it's what the reformers preach. This is what the gospel is. This is how we're saved. Faith alone in Christ alone. Only faith in only Christ. So if your faith is faith plus this baptism or faith plus to work or faith plus, then that's not the gospel. It's faith alone in Christ alone, not Christ plus this or plus that cultic teaching. That would be a different gospel. It's faith alone in Christ alone. So where do we go from here? If the works of the law don't justify us before God, then who or what does? If moralism is not the answer, and it's not. If moralism is not the answer to our issues, then who or what is? Who or what does bring justification, number one? Who or what does bring the Holy Spirit, right? Who or what does remove the curse? Give you two points. Christ. 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 Look at Galatians 3.13. I love this verse. Galatians 3.13 says this, And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of religion, from the curse of moralism, from the curse of... I don't know. You, I don't know what the, what the result of going in to a church or a workplace or a school and teaching good virtues and good relational values, I don't know. I know it's not the answer, but my fear, I don't know what kind of effect it will have. If it's intended to make you better, what happens when all of a sudden you see it and you go, hey, this ain't working. I, I, I can't be better. Now, the curse of the law has become this burden of, I, I've tried to clean myself up, and now I've understood the problem is, is that I'm still the same here, inside. And that's just driving me further into, like, oh, if, this, if, if, if all that wasn't the answer, like you just try to clean up with morality, what happens when the inside's not changed, and now you're just like, what do I turn to now? And if it's been clothed in the idea of this is biblical, then, you're, then you might sweep the gospel out too and go, well, that didn't help. I tried that. No, what you tried was biblical moralism in the name of Jesus Christ. And that ain't the gospel either, right? Well, You've you got to do something with the soul. So verse 13, I don't know if you're tracking with me. Some of you are, praise God. <laughs> verse 13. Here we go. Get back on it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law and all that goes with that religion and trying to earn that and the work. Christ rescued us. He, he purchased us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For this is what it was written in the Old Testament. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 
What brings the Holy Spirit? Who brings the Holy Spirit? Christ. Who changes us and removes the curse and the burden? Christ, right? Uh, Who makes us right before the Father? Christ. Christ. He's redeemed us from all those things. Christ. Jesus hung on the tree for our sin. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. Number two. Right? If the works of the law don't justify, if the works of the law don't bring the Holy Spirit, if the works of the law right, don't remove the curse, who does? Number one, Christ does. Or what does? Number two, faith, not fulfillment. Faith brings the Holy Spirit. That was his point, right? Faith removes the curse. Faith justifies us before God. Our faith, not our fulfillment. Not that we fulfilled all these virtues and that we fulfilled all these works of religion and that we our, our, if our kids check those boxes. They went baptized, they went to Sunday school. They, like, checking boxes is religion, right? That we were kind and we were clean in our county and we, we voted this in, some kind of Christian moralism, right? We fulfilled. Look, God, we fulfilled all these things. No. It, all, the essential thing is faith. Faith in the one true gospel. Our faith, not our fulfillment. Not our trying, but our trusting. That's it. I don't want to tell you, church, try harder. Try harder. What if I get up every stinking Sunday and I preach these self-help moralism stuff and I tell you, try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder. And you leave here and you go, I can't. I can't do it. Or we go into and we say, be good, be better, be better, be better. How much? And you go, I can't. I'm tired of trying, aren't you? A lot of people get tired of that in the South. And the Bible, try, be better, be better, be better, be better. And if we are, we look at others and we go, I'm better than them, and that makes us the Pharisee. Or we look at somebody that's better than us and it makes us like, and then we're just beat down. So it either leads to like pride or it leads to like guilt and shame because you're always going to find somebody better than you or somebody worse than you and gets to all this kind of comparison and you're going to have these horrible good days and these horrible bad days and... You're, you're going to be burdened, and what, what we really have to do is this, is to live by faith. Faith in the gospel. Faith in grace. It's by trusting, not trying harder. The only thing that will change Bartow County is trusting the true gospel. And we have to tell it. If we don't tell it, if the church doesn't share that message, who will? Jesus, this is what you really need. This is what you're really looking for. And it's found in Jesus, and it's found in faith, not works. And it's based on grace. So let me close with one more verse. Galatians 3. Go back to the verses that we started with. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. This really is so key. So then, now I'm not saying don't teach it. I think those are good things and I'll support and I will support and we should do this. Like Let's, let's still teach good virtues. Let's just know they're not the main thing. Verse 24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. Oh, let's preach Christ. This is the message of the church. This is the message of the gospel. In order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, you're no longer under that religion and that good deed and that that moralism and the works. For in Christ Jesus now you're all sons of God through faith. Through faith. Your goodness will not save you. Only the goodness of Christ will save you. And Jesus does the work, not us. So I invite you today, I invite our county to look to Christ. The good news of Jesus brings righteousness. The good news of Jesus removes condemnation. The good news of Jesus empowers sanctification. The gospel is Christ and faith. Are you thankful that our salvation is entirely by divine grace?
Charles Haddon Spurgeon said these words, that great old preacher, Oh, that you might abandon forever all hope of acceptance by the works of the law. Now it's this good message that frees us. This good message of the gospel sets us free. And what the gospel does that you learn in Galatians is this. It sets us free to obey in a new way. It sets us free to serve in a new way. It sets us free to do those works now by the Spirit. To do it in a new way. This is Romans 7, 6. I'll read it. Now we do it in a new way. But now we're released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life by the Spirit. We now serve with grace-driven holiness. That's the holiness that matters. Grace-driven holiness. Not works-driven holiness. That goes back to the works of the law, you see? What's the only holiness that matters? It's grace-driven. I'm not driven by work. I'm driven by grace. In Christian NASCAR... (laughs) Grace drives the holiness, not works. Works of religion will never drive. They stay in the pit, right? It's it's grace. Let grace fuel you and motivate you and, and drive you, right? He says about Galatians 3, For now you're all sons of God through faith. You know what about our sons? Sons don't have to be good boys for us to love them, do they? We tell our sons, I love you, regardless. Now, I want you to be a good boy, but you're my son. I love you. That's the way it is with God. God doesn't say, now be good and I'll love you. That's the false gospel that gets preached. Now clean yourself up and I'll accept you and things will go good for you. God says, I don't don't treat you like that because now you're a son of God. I say, son, I love you by grace, through faith, because of our relationship. Now, I want you to live by the Spirit But now they become not works of the law, they become works of the Spirit. Praise God. Do you see? Do you see it? Don't turn back to the old way. If you're a son, you're now free. Don't turn back to the old way of be a good boy and teach others to be a good boy and God will love you. No, no, no. Our county may need to be set free from works of moralism. The good news is it's the gospel of Jesus that sets us free. If we teach works of the law or crossless moralism, that will not save the soul. A kind moral culture is not the answer to our problems. Only the true gospel of Jesus is. And it is a gospel of grace. May we never abandon it. May you never abandon it. Paul says, Church at Galatia, why have you abandoned it? Don't abandon a gospel of grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would take your truth and, God, you would drive it home to every person's heart. Lord, my words are insufficient. Lord, my way of thinking is not their way of thinking. Lord, it, it, it may not jive, God, my words or my outline or my thought process, but Lord, Your Spirit and what You have to say through the powerful Word of God, Lord, I know that You can take it to each person here today and You can show them what they need to know and hear. And Father, You can give them that special Spirit nugget that they can hang on to this week. And God, they can go and appreciate grace more and teach grace more. And may we never remove the offense of the cross. May we never stop talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how the gospel changes us and how the gospel is what we really need. And I pray, God, you would rescue our county from crossless moralism, from crossless good old be kind and be religious, and somehow that's what makes you right. God, people have gotten the wrong idea. And Lord, how else can we stop it? But we have to tell them the truth. We have to tell them of Jesus and His works. 
And the gospel can bring the Holy Spirit. And the gospel will solve every problem. The Holy Spirit will work in people's souls where we can't get to and where our good messages won't get to. It's about help us to know what we trust in and who we're trusting in. And Father, help us to, to maybe go back this week in Galatians, Lord, and fall in love with Your Word and how it teaches us and instructs us, Lord, and to right where we're supposed to be, keeping that main thing the main thing. Lord, uh, only You can recover our hearts, and I pray that You would do that and that You would recover hearts in our schools this year and in our county, God, and it would be a work of God, a work of the Spirit. And so, Lord, we love You and we thank You so much for Your amazing grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.